Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Well, hey, 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 everybody. It's Holden back here again with The Sober Unicorn. I hope everybody's having an absolutely fantabulous day. I know that there's crazy weather kind of going on throughout the entire United States. So hopefully you're staying safe and dry. It's raining. Um, today, we have a special guest with us. Of course, all of our guests are very, very special. Um, I reached out. Um, I posted something on Instagram. I think it was yesterday. Seeking out guests for the podcast. And he reached out almost immediately. And um, wanted to come on and share his story. And kind of give everybody some hope on his sobriety. So everybody, welcome Landon. Hello, Landon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, thank you for coming on. I know it was like super short and very quickly scheduled. So I thank you for taking the time out to talk to us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So why don't you tell everybody your name, um, like your age, uh, sobriety date, and what your drug of choice was? Okay. Um, I am Landon and I am 45 years old and I have been sober since March 22nd of 2018 and my um addiction of choice was alcohol alcohol yes I totally get that (laughs) (laughs) it was like my only friend (laughs) so like I know that we we discussed in um chat like kind of what led up to the drinking so why don't you kind of give everybody a, a backstory on um what caused the drinking um what needed you what finally that last hurrah essentially to need to get sober and how you got sober sure i'd love to um so i i grew up my um my alcohol runs in my family uh, my father was an addict he passed away my grandfather was an addict my uncle was an addict um my mother is still um an active drinker and um i i think growing up i always felt as though I didn't necessarily belong in a certain capacity. Um, and I felt like alcohol was really my only way to, to, to be who I was, which was false. Um, and I think I, cause I, I suffered from a bit of a anxious attachment growing up, um, with my not having my father around and, and the relationship with my mom, she's a wonderful woman. Um, but, we just didn't see really eye to eye. And so um, I think that I just had a lot of sadness. Also, I was, you know, developing of who I was and growing up in a, in this norm of society where, you know, where I grew up, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. Um, It was all of my friends. They were all perfect. You know, everybody, there was like really no, nothing in anybody's closet. Right. Except me, I was hiding out in there. (laughs) So um, I think that I, you know, it, it got really, really, really bad um, around 2013. Um, it's where I was living on my own and I was just every day I would buy a handle of vodka or a couple of bottles of wine and just sit there. And I would always listen to and feel sorry for myself, but like Chicago's greatest hits, you know, like... <laughs> love songs to like who are you singing them to you know um but I just it it became something that I knew was going to be there for me at the end of the day right um and I I just I I 
I was struggling for so long to find out who I was as a human being. And I thought, well, I mean, it's runs in my family. I mean, I, I must not ever be able to, I must not ever be able to get out of this. Um, <clears throat> and so um, when it got really bad in 2013, you know, it was very successful in my career. Um, but I was a functioning alcoholic. I was going to work completely hungover, if not still drunk from the day before. Um, and I even had a, a team member of mine say to me one day, um, I work in the airline industry and um, I do not fly planes, so that's good, but I'm on the ground. <laughs> but um, one of my uh, team members said to me, have you been drinking because you smell like alcohol? And we had a close relationship that he never ratted me out to my superiors. And I would have thought that was a wake up call because I could have lost my job, right? Um, and it wasn't, it, it didn't, um, I continued, I continued and I continued and I got into a really terrible marriage and, um, I was told negative things about myself and I was told that I was too old to do certain things. And, um, <clears throat> for like, um, you know, to transition, um, I'm currently in the process of transitioning female to male. So, um, you know, while I was in that marriage, I was told I was too old to do it. And I think I was such a people pleaser that I cared what everybody else thought that it couldn't be who I was. But at the end of the day, I had the alcohol to take care of me. So, so it was essentially kind of, I mean, the alcohol was like the coping mechanism of drowning out the fact of those thoughts harboring in your head of you, that you are too old, that you're not good enough, you're not this, or, and having to deal with the partner that is not whatsoever supportive so i mean yeah. was it after the divorce that you chose to go on the journey of sobriety yes um it was uh i had just gotten a promotion i had moved on to west palm beach florida um i <clears throat> was i was on the verge of like trying to leave the marriage but i just I didn't have it in me. And I was always given the sad, soppy stories. No, please don't leave me this, that. Um, and I was really unhappy in West Palm and I wanted um, a prom another promotion, but she left within a week of me moving there. And she took my, my, I had a dog, a puppy. She took my puppy and she took my car and she maxed out my credit cards. And I was left with this e like ridiculous rent to pay on my own um a senior dog that she had left and just kind of like in this space where it just continued to get worse and worse and I really think so much of our environments play a role in how we cope with things and it was a negative work environment it was I was alone I was at home um it just got it got so bad and then I think it was probably a week before I finally told my best friend, Jessica, that I was going to quit drinking. Um, <clears throat> I, there was a promotion at work. I really wanted it. It was in Nashville. I was like, this would be amazing for me. Like I would rock it. And I was like, these are the things that have to change. But I was watching a friend's dog and I was so drunk that I tripped over the dog and like cut my face and like went to work the next day, all hungover, felt terrible and told everyone that um, the dog scratched me. But like, 
broken glasses. Like it was bad. Right. And um, then about a week later, I was at a, a baseball game with my friend Jessica and I just looked at her and I said, I think I'm going to quit drinking. And her <laughs> response was like, no way. Like, <laughs> I mean, she was like totally supportive, but like, this is what people have known me always to be the blackout, the, you know, the crazy drinker. I mean, I think during our drinking careers, now that we look back at them, I was like, how the fuck did we have any friends to begin with? Exactly. You were psychotic. Um, so of course I know that you did not go through any program, um, NAAA or anything like that. So how did you do it on your own? Cause some of our listeners may not be program based. Um, so kind of, Kind of give them an inside look on how you did it by yourself. Sure. So um, at that at that time, when I realized that I had to that I had to give that up, that I wanted to give that up because I wanted that promotion, I wanted that change of life. Um, her leaving was um, like a new lease on life, even though I went more downhill um, to prepare myself. But what I did was I started journaling and I started just writing out all of my feelings. Um, I started writing out the things that felt good to me and the things that didn't feel good to me. And I actually read um, The Naked Mind, This Naked Mind by, um, God, I forget her name, but that book like changed my life. I think it's Anne, Annie. I can't remember. I have the book. You know what, um, do you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, I have, I think it's called, uh, I have the 30 day challenge that she wrote. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I haven't started a 30-day challenge, but I have it. Yeah, <laughs> it's there. Yeah. But I I I read that book and I and I just thought, okay, this is this is like this is like my whole life ahead of me. Right. I have 40 years behind me that I'm not so happy with. And this is a new lease on life of what do I want to do to make it better? And I it's like it's a constant battle. Even today, it's a constant battle. But I have to remember that, and this has been like my slogan, like stronger than the struggle, right? No matter what, I am stronger than the struggle. I'm stronger than the alcohol. I'm stronger than if I wanted to do drugs or anything like that. I can get myself through anything that I choose to get through. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think people go about it different ways. And I think, like you said, stronger than the struggle so, I mean, for you, that's kind of how you move past the cravings that you probably had at the beginning and past the, the detoxing of everything. Because I know some people, when they detox, have the trembles, the shakes, um, and you always have to remind yourself that you're stronger than that. So, of course, you quit drinking, you, you have a divorce, and now you're finally able to kind of develop this new person um, and redefine who you are as somebody, for one, that doesn't drink. And for two, as somebody that's going to be now starting a transition. So this, let me try, let me think how to word this. So of course, you you come out at a younger age as lesbian. Yes. Okay, so you have to come, you have to come to terms with the the hate from whoever that maybe you dealt with at that time that could have fueled your drinking. And that now as you're transitioning, I you you identify now as a straight male, correct? Yeah. Okay. So how do you use the the um kind of maybe any judgment from the community or anybody on the outside of the community to help fuel your sobriety also to make you stronger to overcome the addiction um i think i i think i receive well i think i get a lot of validation from the people in my life 
um, oddly enough, for all the, you remember how psychotic we were when we were such drunks, right? I've actually, I'm still friends with all of those people. And we will occasionally laugh about my blackout times. But they're some of my closest friends. and They've never, ever, ever left my side. And I really think that it, it's been such a strong support group, right? Um, and then transitioning, it's, it's, I get validation every day from just being who I am, right? And being the best me possible. Um, and I think that one thing with addiction that, that, that we suffer from is that it takes away our sense of self, right? And it gives yes. us a false sense of reality when it's not necessarily, it's, that's not it. That's not it's our the reality that we think we can continue to like push back the things we need to deal with. And yet yeah. when we finally get sober, all those things that we push to the back of our heads and back of our minds, now we are now faced with, with oh, a yeah. sober mind realizing, holy shit, I can't use this liquor anymore to drown out anything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your that's alternative. Rough. Yeah. Shit. My alternative, I don't even know at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Working. I I work immensely. I mean, what do you now use as like an alternative um for for um drinking? Um, I use I read books, I listen to podcasts, I will go for a walk. Anything to drown out something that's going to um, take my mind off of it. I remember about a month ago, I had a really bad, I just recently moved to San Diego and I've started. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's a great city, but the job is whatever. It's very busy. Right. And so, um, I had a really bad day and I was, I'm alone here. I've got, you know, two pets. I'm in a studio apartment. It's fine. But I was like, I can easily go to a liquor store and buy a bottle of whiskey right now if I wanted to. And I could come home and I could have that drink and I could remember that feeling, right? But it's only going to cause me to want to drink more. And it's money and it's, I'm going to feel like, I mean, when you get older and you drink, it's not, you're not in your 20s anymore. I mean, you, it takes forever to feel better, right? Like, I mean, you're only 45. <laughs> I feel old though, but I, I, I mean, you know, I just had to, it's, it's constant communicate. Like it's a lot of talking to yourself. It's a lot of trying to, you got to have close supporters. You got to have people that when you're having those moments, you can reach out to. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really important to understand that your, your strength on your inner self. I mean, um, because having to go through what you've gone through with the wife and having to go through what you went through with transitioning and, finally like living your truth and being who you are on a daily basis takes a huge amount of bravery and strength um and so alcohol is just one subtle foe and it's like and if you could go through all of this bs you could go through anything without having to use that right <laughs> right anything at all like i feel like i feel like you have like you have all of this strength that you didn't realize was there and so it's 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 almost like it's 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 a new lease on life and it's like a rejuvenating feeling to know that 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 you can get through you just got to put your mind to it of course so i know when i quit drinking i changed a lot of the friend groups that i hung around with 
So many people that I drink with, I no longer talk to. Um, so I mean, you, like you said, you're still friends with all these people that you, you've had blackout times with. So how did you, how do you navigate with those friendships nowadays that when they still want to drink, especially in early sobriety? I mean, how did you navigate that during early sobriety? A lot of them, a lot of my friends right immediately during the first part of it were like, we don't need to drink. We're fine. So if we went out, it was, you know, they would order a Coke or Diet Coke or a seltzer water. Um, <clears throat> there are people in my life that I do have to set boundaries with, um, and that I'll choose not to be around family as well, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but it's for my own well-being um, because I've had the conversations and how I feel uncomfortable. Um, but if the behavior continues, then it's you just remove yourself. So, yeah, I think boundaries are so, so, so important because my relapse that happened close to a month ago now, like I did not set those boundaries with that individual. So when everything went down, I mean, yes, it was my fault that I did what I did, but ultimately like, I should have had those boundaries set. And so like moving forward, I have to realize that like when I go out with people, when I go here, I have to put myself into a safe situation. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm about to fly to Florida with the friends that smokes weed, which I mean, weed was never, I don't really care for yeah. weed, so that doesn't really bother me any, but, and he, he dreams. And so it's like him realizing, hey, if we go out to the clubs when I'm there, if I need to go, that means like I, we need to leave. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't drank in over 10 months now. So my relapse was not on liquor. But like when I'm around a club scene, like at the very beginning of the night, I'm totally okay. But as like the night progresses and things get popping, that's when I'm, that's when me, I'm just like, ooh. You get popping. About like 15 yeah. shots of Jameson right now. <laughs> sounds right? so good. Right? <laughs> sounds good in theory, but <laughs> you're like, you know. I recovered very quickly, to be honest. I mean, Good so you. I felt like death every day. Like it wasn't, but it wasn't the the lack of recovery that was like, holy shit, what's wrong? It was the blackout driving that I was like, what is your fucking problem? Wow. Yeah. It, it was, it was, I didn't care. I, I mean, I still don't care. Like, hold on. Let me, let me phrase this correctly. I don't care when I die. The thing is, it could be tomorrow. It could be 15, 20 years from now. Yeah. Um. So I never cared about my life being lost on the road, blackout driving. It was who else would I involve that didn't deserve yeah. to be involved. And that's when I'm like, you're not taking your own life into somebody's hands. You're not taking somebody else's life into somebody's hands. Nope. Um, so taking back control. Okay. So how do you take control? Especially I work a program um 12 step program that tells us to give control to our higher power per se so you didn't work a program so how do you take back control every day i take back control every day by having faith in who i am and my character and that i worked hard for it i i don't believe in i per, this is my personal opinion i i don't believe in working your ass off for something right and then throwing it away um, and I feel like if I did that, it would set me back years and I'm not ready to go through that whole transformation of self again. Right. So it's really just having the faith within me 
Yeah. Um, no, I'm not super familiar with the 12 step. I feel like I have friends that have been through it. Um, but I just, it had to have strength within me to do it. I so mean, I hey, myself, higher self. I've always said, like, no matter whether you work a 12 step program or CBT or the smart recovery or any, anything in general or by yourself, as long as you're sober, that's the goal. No right? matter how you need to get there. Like, if you're sober, you are a winner and you should be incredibly proud of yourself and the hard work that you've done because it is not fucking easy. Like, that shit is so hard. <laughs> it, I, listen, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I thought, I thought, and I don't even know what to put on the spectrum. What's harder, coming out as, as trans or quitting drinking? Like, they're both, they're both really, like, you know? That is hard. I mean, I can't speak. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not trans. I couldn't, I couldn't justify any answer in that spectrum, but it is, I mean, I think, I think quitting drinking is a huge meta physical change for yourself because you go through, I mean, it takes, I think, I think it's 90 days for the effects of alcohol to be 100% out of your system. Yeah. Um, but I mean, of course it is a huge mental thing too we have to find out the reasons that led us to the bottle i mean we were trying to drown out something i mean the thing is trauma yes, of something we could right? think that it's to party but i mean we can party without drinking yes exactly i mean i feel like i'm a life of the party sometimes i don't need it you know me but I, right? I was the life of the party and i was just like getting sober because of course i drank in nothing but straight bars i, I never went to gay bars um and so I was like the token gay and so it. now it's like how am I supposed to be the drunken token gay that everybody makes fun of when I'm there now like looking at people like bitch you need to slow down like bitch, you need to slow down because <laughs> I now go out and drink and I mean don't be wrong I don't judge anybody and like but you can yeah. you can really sit somewhere and look around the room and tell who is drinking because they are enjoying it per se or who is drinking because they need to have it yeah they're drowning something out a hundred percent so before we come to a close what is something that you would like to share with everybody that you possibly haven't shared um gosh i don't know I mean, I'm sort of out, I'm transitioned. Um, um, I'm single. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I mean, I am. No, um, no I mean, I just, I, you know, I just, I really feel like, um, I really feel like we all need the support of each other. I'm so thankful for um, people like you that have your, you know, your page out there. I had a page with my friend, um, Jill, who was a recovering addict and on instagram we were very very active on there for quite some time and then i just sort of fell off when i started to transition and um i think i might revisit it um just because it doesn't like talking about sobriety is so important it doesn't matter how many years you're sober how many months how many days it's an important um it's a it's a super important thing to to talk about so i agree I and i think important. I think you, especially, um, I, I, I per se can try to assist another alcoholic, but when it comes to 
trying to find commonality in certain traumas in our life. Like I, I stop. There's a certain brick wall for me if I haven't experienced it. And I think you being transgender can have that platform to help other trans people that do try to drown out the, whether it's trying to find their own identity, I'm struggling to find who they are or struggling with the acceptance of friends, family and loved ones around them. I mean, you, you've dealt with that trauma yourself. And mm-hmm. I mean, and you've been able to overcome, find your authentic self and be sober. I mean, hell, you just passed four years in March. So that was that's awesome. Huge, yeah, that's a huge success story. So you can use that as a major platform to help trans people or anybody really. I mean, that, and that's why I find my the podcast here so important is whether you're program-based or non, whether you're straight, gay or otherwise, like. I, I want everybody to feel included and have inclusivity mm-hmm. because hopefully maybe there's a little gay boy that's listening right now <laughs> that's struggling like that. and can find something. And some... he needs you. Exactly. He, well, he may you. need you too, boy. He may, may, you never know. <laughs> so if anybody resonated with your story and like maybe wants to reach out to you, like how, how do they find you? Um, You can find me on Instagram at, isn't it weird that I should know my handle i know i saw you look uh, down <laughs> yeah right landon brooks l-a-n-d-y-n-b-r-o-o-k-s 44 and then um on tiktok i'm landon strip landon landon strip yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is, um that's iconic yeah. yeah my friend michelle came up with it she's that if you ever do drag, that is like the perfect uh, drag name. Well, that was the thing we were talking. It was a Snapchat filter. And I was like, what would my drag name be? And she was like, Landon Strip. And I was like, I'm running with it. So actually, I think I might change my Instagram to Landon Strip. Well, if you do, let me know. But I mean, if, I will. Again, <laughs> if, anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants to get a hold of Landon, I will put yeah. the ads in the bio of this episode. Um, I hope you have an absolutely incredible night, Landon, and thank you so much you for too, Holden. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own Sober Owned Shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned. And remember everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.